I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a weekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if this podcast is helpful to you, come join us at the Digital Commerce Alliance. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org. This week, artificial intelligence, engaging 67 million customers with social and AI. A conversation with Chris Curtin, SVP, Head of Digital, Social and Rewards at Bank of America. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by VantageScore. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use VantageScore to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. Before we get to my interview with Chris, I want to flag a couple of the big stories in digital commerce from the last few weeks. First, on the retail sales front, U.S. Commerce Department data recently showed that U.S. retail sales rose three-tenths of a percent from July to August. That's a rebound from July's four-tenths of a percent decline. Consumers have continued to spend in spite of inflationary pressures. Now, that statistic is not adjusted for inflation, so higher prices likely accounted for at least some of that increase. In other news, 1,600 merchants signed onto a letter asking Congress to pass a law that would require options for the routing of credit card transactions over alternative networks. The letter states that swipe fees for credit cards are higher in the United States than anywhere else in the industrialized world, more than seven times as high as in Europe. The letter was written to support a Senate bill that would require routing options if it were passed and signed into law. The bill's named sponsors, one Republican and one Democrat, said that alternate routing options would increase competition and lead to lower swipe fees. According to a Citizens Bank survey, consumers are using mobile banking apps like never before. The pandemic drove mobile adoption. The slice of consumers who said that they mainly use an app for their banking rose to 44% during the pandemic, which was an 11% increase from before. In the same survey, 90% of consumers said that they now do at least some of their banking using digital tools. Instant payments used to not exist in the United States, but starting in 2017, they became a reality for consumers. Such payments have become an important part of how Uber pays its drivers, for example, so they're getting pretty ubiquitous. As reported by Payments.com, roughly 170 million U.S. consumers received at least one instant disbursement in the last year, and about half of consumers say that they would opt for instant payment if it were an option, even though services like that usually incur a small fee. Relatedly, Payments.com and Treasury Prime worked together on a joint survey related to demand for digital banking. Not surprisingly, the study found that interest in digital banking is high among gig economy workers, and the most common reason cited is because digital banks are perceived to offer better money transfers. Now, we turn to my conversation with Chris Curtin of Bank of America. Chris is SVP Head of Digital, Social, and Rewards at Bank of America. He came to B of A just this year and brought a wealth of experience working with some of the top global brands in finance and technology. (music) 
Chris, thank you so much for joining us on Commerce Code. Where are you? Uh, where are you joining us from today? I'm joining you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Lovely. Well, look, I wanted to dive in and get your perspective on some pretty important things that are going on right now. You've come into Bank of America, obviously one of the world's biggest banks, from the credit card side where you were at Visa. And I'd just love to kind of learn, like, what's the new thing you've learned or the new perspective that a big bank provides that maybe wasn't as clear to you before and in the previous roles? You know, Bank of America was a client, a major client for us when I was at Visa and being on the other side of the table just to be exposed to how it runs itself, the culture that it has built, the strategic areas of focus and how it's all underpinned by a notion of responsible growth. I don't know that you can fully appreciate it until you're on the inside looking out, just how much that's baked into the DNA of the firm and what those two words taken together mean and how much they define every single strategic action, every single investment, you know, every type of fork in the road decision that the bank is confronted by, it's all decided through a filter of responsible growth. And that comes from the top of the house all the way down to, you know, new employees such as myself. And it's a day one mantra that governs every single action from that day forward. So connecting that responsible growth to your role There's a social dimension, obviously, to the idea of responsible growth. It has necessarily something to do with how people think about, you know, what's responsible and how they interact with the service, with the with the brand and the company. And so your role at Bank of America is um, digital, social and rewards. And I'm just kind of curious how you think about that scope of your role, how the social media piece, the rewards element kind of fits into what you're doing overall and maybe how that that connects to what you just said, you know, that responsible growth piece. Well, I think so much of my role and our team's focus is tied to what our clients and cardholders are saying and thinking about us and what they expect from us and how we show and acknowledge appreciation for them having selected Bank of America amongst others. That's part of the rewards and the recognition side of the fence. But the social side of the fence is finding our way to where our customers organize themselves and on on different platforms and channels in the digital space and making sure that, you know, we hear from them and we listen to them. And, you know, I think there's a distinction between hearing someone and listening to someone. And our team is much more focused on listening. We want to understand what's being said, why it's being said, what are the root causes behind it, how we can become a better bank, how we can become a better commercial partner and meet the needs of our clients. And not just meet them, but frankly, surpass them. And I think you can do research groups and focus groups, but there's a time delay in kind of getting that information and acting on it. Social has a dynamism to it that is unique and therefore it's extremely attractive and important to us at the bank. When you talk about listening to the customer from one of the biggest banks in the world, what's hard about that? because it's big, let's say, and what are the resources and the kind of the assets that come with that too, that make it easier to listen to the customer? I'm sure there's got to be both sides of it, Chris. Well, undeniably, one of the strengths of Bank of America is its scale and the impact that it has across eight lines of business and being one of the largest banks in the world. But, you know, with scale comes intent, consideration, and we are very thoughtful about the actions that we take. And so I think because of that, there's a lot of back and forth and there's a lot of thinking through things holistically. And I think that's good. And I think that shows up at the end of the day in a better end product and experience for our clients and customers. That having been said, it can be far more deliberative than maybe a startup is 
on the proverbial Sandhill Road. But when we act, we have consequence and we understand that. And that consequence has got to be measured. It's got to be fit for purpose. It's got to be fit for the channel and fit for the opportunity. And, you know, that old adage of measuring twice and cutting once is, is definitely that something that's alive and well within Bank of America. With the benefit of your experience here on the podcast, I, I can't resist but to call for a little bit of conjecture and prognostication. You're in rewards at Bank of America. So if we fast forward a year, let's say, to late 2023, what do you think will have changed in how banks and consumers do rewards? Do you see big growth in any particular place or different kind of approaches that you think organizations are going to take that consumers want? Well, I think rewards are going to find their way into the world of recognition. And while they may be cousins today, I think they are different. And you know, I think today a lot of our rewards are either relationship triggered or card triggered. But I think in the future, they can get into behavioral rewards. I think they can get into recognition for actions that, you know, we consider consistent with our values and frankly, you know, that are consistent with leaving the world a little bit better than we found it. And so I think the future of these concepts will not just be doing business on us or doing business with and through us, but having a shared vision, a shared mindset and applying that to actions that we value and recognizing that. And I think that will become therefore an extension of companies' brands and cultures. And I think that is where the world will migrate towards. And it's going to be very exciting to see, you know, which companies step up first and how they step up and how bold they are in that regard. There's an argument, I was just reading something about this this morning, but there's a decent argument that we're on the precipice of some major technological changes that connect to social changes as well. And one piece of that is the increased use of artificial intelligence and the increased effectiveness of it. So Bank of America has a thing called Erica, which is a digital personal assistant. I assume that Erica will become more and more important to the services provided. And inside that digital personal assistant is an artificial intelligence functionality platform. I'd love to get your thoughts on how Bank of America is viewing that, making those investments in AI, and where do you think it, it's going to take you? Bank of America is one of the biggest digital players in the world. And if you just looked at it through the lens of digital, it would be every bit the rival of some of the biggest companies that you would associate with the digital space. On top of that, it was one of the first in AI, not just in a kind of skunk works and R&D way, but in a practical and applied manner. You know, and I think as a result of that, there's a couple of iterations of innovation already under the belt here at Bank of America that will be applied to the future. And I think if part of the premise and promise of artificial intelligence is to make things more intelligent and smart and tailored to your life specifically in a way that potentially could be predictive and be a step ahead of you and giving you kind of information and guidance. I think that's really exciting in a couple of different categories. For sure, that will be the case in healthcare. But I also think in banking and financial services, it could be incredibly meaningful. One of the things you've already mentioned, responsible growth. And it feels like with all the capabilities that you have, there is a lot of opportunity for Bank of America to use its platform to promote causes that have a positive impact on society, even if it's just empowering consumers to, to sort of see things and then do what they want to do. How do you think that you're able to, to kind of push forward some issues that people really care about? First of all, I think it's a false premise that you can't do good and well concurrently. And I think you need look no farther than Bank of America in that regard. 
whether it's going paperless or what the firm has done with respect to ESG or what, you know, Brian has espoused at conferences such as Davos about what we all can do with respect to being better corporate citizens, let alone private citizens of the world. I think this is a company whose actions and investments match its rhetoric. And I think that's healthy from a corporate perspective. I think it's very healthy from a personal perspective as well, to the extent that you can coincide those two it results in a very healthy and well-lived life. I think at the end of the day, you know, when you are of the size that Bank of America is and in a category that we are, you know, as a leader that we hope to be, it's incumbent upon you to think through what are you doing to leave this world better than you found it? Not just the eight lines of businesses and the many services that you provide, but I also just think just based on the consequence of having the number of employees we have, having the physical and digital presence that we have, and ultimately kind of providing the services that we do. Those are game-changing elements, and they should be put in the right hands. Last one here, Chris, and this kind of calls again for looking forward, but I'll just frame it by saying, in the pandemic, everybody had to pivot in some way. And I'm sure Bank of America was no, was no exception. And now we're sort of trying to assess how much are consumers, customers going to sort of revert to old ways and how much are they going to stick with the ways they've interacted, for example, with banks during the pandemic? So I wonder, what do you see sort of changing, you know, again, across the next 12 months in the way that customers want to experience banks in the way that Bank of America, for example, is going to be able to deal with its customers? Well, I think the improvements and enhancements in our app, artificial intelligence, like you've mentioned earlier with Erica, online banking, we're not just going to be digitally first, we're going to be digitally evolved. And, you know, I think that was one of the big insights from the pandemic was that there were things that you could do, not just as a complement to your life through digital, but using that as your front door and your first option. I mean, I just think the speed, the reliability, the ability to act decisively, the ability to tap into human resources and guidance when necessary. I'm not sure people understand how much the world changed and how dramatically it changed during that two-year period as a result of the pandemic. And there certainly were many things about the pandemic, including academia and experiences. But I do think that there were things on the digital side of the fence that exponentially accelerated because of the pandemic. And I think it was a situation where we were compelled to innovate. And sometimes being compelled to innovate creates traction that you otherwise would not have seen. Last week's episode of Commerce Code, we talked to Mladen Vladic at FIS. And one of his points, one of the points in that was that you know necessity kind of became the mother of adoption in part. So a lot of technologies that already existed, but maybe weren't used that much, got adopted very quickly, which I think was really healthy and positive. But your point here too is it's gone on long enough that we've had time within this to innovate and to make things fundamentally better. And, you know, in the banking sector and social commerce, et cetera, I think we have opportunities and we've taken them in some cases to make things a lot better for people. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, look, this has been a great conversation. Obviously, we've just touched the tips of some icebergs, but it's a great opportunity for us to get your perspective coming from Bank of America, tons of resources and tons of experience, both at the bank and for you personally. And so we thank you for your time and your thoughts, and we look forward to having you again on Commerce Code sometime in the future. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. It was my pleasure. 
Commerce Code is a weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practice sharing. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week. 